Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. You take care of your body, but are you taking care of your soul? Today, Pastor Andy teaches through Psalm 42 on the importance of soul care. Enjoy the message. You know, in a time of uncertainty, you know, often we want to look back and say, I just want to go back to normal, right? Uh, I want to go back to what things were. We're looking at what is next, specifically, what is God's next for your life? Because it's too easy to miss what he has next if we're so fixed on what was normal. Uh, But did you know this? That people are quick to, you know, shell out $1,500 for a treadmill. Why? Because staying healthy is a good thing. If you stay physically healthy, it helps you keep mentally healthy. In fact, every session of exercise that you have, the experts say that 9,815 molecules in your blood are altered, which helps your metabolism. It helps with the way that you think. uh, It helps your immune response. But let's be honest here. How many of your treadmills or your home gyms become a, instead of a $1,500 exercise piece of equipment, they become a $1,500 hanger, you know, to hang your clothes? I mean, that's at least what happens to me. I have some barbells and things like that, and somehow the clothes just end up on it because it's, it's like, well, I'm not going to work out. It's, it's an awesome hanger, right? And, and the reason why even people get home gyms, even in normal circumstances, because, you know, when you buy a gym membership, did you know that billions of dollars, 1.8 billion to be specific, is flushed down the toilet every year of unused gym memberships? Now, my question is this, if we know that we're not going to use our home gyms or we're not going to use our gym memberships, then why do we keep on fooling ourselves that we're going to use these things? And I have an idea. It's because I believe that sometimes if we have a treadmill in the basement or if we have a gym membership, it makes us think that we're healthy because we have the access to be healthy. I mean, you could relate maybe to the refrigerator, okay? I tell Allison that I want spinach. Every shopping trip she goes on, I want spinach. Why? Because spinach is good for you. And I will eat spinach at least once. But she'll buy this big old container because it's on sale. And then what will happen is it'll sit in the refrigerator and it will rot. And But I tell her, hey, guess what? We need some more spinach. And finally she said, Andy, I'm not buying you spinach anymore. It's like, why? Because you don't eat it. It's like, yes, but I need spinach. And he goes, well, then you need to quit eating ice cream and actually eat the spinach. And it got me thinking, why do I buy spinach? Because I feel good that it's in my refrigerator. I feel like I have the access to eat healthy, whether I do or not. And the thing is, we should exercise. We should eat healthy, right? Because our, if we're physically healthy, it helps us be mentally healthy. But you know what's even more beneficial, though? And this is the question I really want to land on today. How's our soul doing? You know, we we think of our mental state, we think of our physical state, but what about our soul? In fact, Paul tells his apprentice Timothy in his letter in 1 Timothy 1.8, he says, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Our souls are forever and yet they're the most often neglected part of our being. Uh, We often have the things in our life to nourish our souls, like our Bibles, or we have devotionals, we have Christian books, uh, you know, and we we store these things maybe in our house, you know, maybe you have the Bible at your your bedside, or or maybe you have a Christian book you've always wanted to read, but you've owned it, but they're like the Bowflex machine in your basement. You have it, and you like the idea of having it, because then you know you can grow spiritually, but you haven't. Or maybe you go through seasons and it collects some dust. You see, God desires our soul to be healthy. 
And that's precisely what we're gonna look at today. We need to be refreshed in the Holy Spirit. We need to be refreshed. Our souls need nurture in this season. So today we're gonna define what is a soul, all right? I think it's important if you're gonna know what to nurture, you need to know what is a soul. And then we're gonna look at three characteristics of why we need to nurture the soul and then how to nurture the soul. Today we're gonna be in the book of Psalm, Psalm 42, if you wanna turn there or in our app. And as you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit about the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is a God-inspired collection of songs or poems that express revelation to God's people. I mean, think of it this way. It's theology that's expressed in a song. And the reason why I believe it's expressed in a song is number one, uh, praise is a love language of the Lord. But secondly, songs help us remember. Now, often when we look at Psalms, we see a heading, and the heading provides the context of why the Psalm was written and who wrote it. Now, in Psalm 42, we don't have a specific name of who wrote this. Many people believe it was David, but we do see for the choir director, a masculine of the sons of Korah. Uh, The sons of Korah were priests who were in charge of the ministry of singing. Now, often when we think of singing in church, some people think it's the preliminaries or it's something that's optional. Uh, We believe it is so important uh, that without it, we're missing something. That's why even online, we provide worship. I know it's not the same when we're doing it in our living rooms, but we believe that we need to create space to where we can express praise to God. You see, it's not all about intellect, and don't mishear me. We have to have intellect if we know what we're praising, but God has also made us emotional beings. And because he's made us emotional beings, we connect, and he's created music for us to connect to him to express his worth. And so that's why we sing at church, if you didn't know that. Uh, So Psalm 42 is a song, is theology uh, from the depths of the heart expressed in a song. So let's read Psalm 42. This is from the ESV. As a deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead with them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hamron and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I, do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You see, what we see in this Psalm is the soul. And we see here that the soul is so important. In fact, this is our main idea this morning is that a neglected soul won't experience the stillness of God. Is that the writer, the psalmist here is saying his soul is being wrecked and he needs God to fill that space. Now, before we talk about how to care for our soul, let's talk about what is a soul. Now, we are aware of that we are more than just 
biological bodies. Uh, our biological body is what people see. It's uh, each one of us has uh, the outer person that people can observe and hear, but we also have our inner life. Now I'm not talking about our organs. I'm, that's that's with the biological body. Our inner life is is what we call our soul. It's it, it's it's the center of our morality. It's the immaterial nature that relates to God. You see, the eternal portion of your being that will live forever, that is your soul. And it'll live in the presence of Jesus or live in the presence away from Jesus in a place the Bible calls hell. The soul is what integrates your mind, which are your thoughts and your moral compass, and your body, which is your actions and even your nonverbal cues, into one single being. Dallas Willard describes the soul this way. He says, the soul, is the, the soul is the capacity to integrate all parts into a single whole life. In fact, uh, Dallas Willard provides this picture. You can see that our soul encompasses everything of who we are. Now, souls are unique because they're only given to humans. Uh, we, humans, are the only part of creation, the only beings that are made in the image of God. And so God has created within us something that we can directly relate to him. And this is why the making of a baby, for instance, is not just biological, but we see directly uh, in scripture that God is involved in the creative process. David declares in Psalm 139, 33, he says, for you created my innermost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. The prophet Zechariah speaks of God as one who forms the human spirit within a person. So everyone has a soul, whether you are a follower of Christ or not, and the soul becomes spiritually alive when you place your faith and trust in Christ alone. So the Bible speaks of our souls and our spirit as interchangeable. Our spirit soul should not be mistaken for the Holy Spirit, which comes to indwell our soul, which comes to lead us and direct us and gift us and so we can build up the church and see the mission go forward. The soul allows a person to have a spiritual perception and inner awareness of the presence of God. That's the height, that is heightened when we are reading his word, when we're in prayer, when we're being sensitive to his Holy Spirit. Uh, it's even sensitive and sparked when we're worshiping together as a church. Romans 8, 16 says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So our spirit should not be confused with his spirit. His spirit comes to indwell our spirit when we place our faith and trust in Christ alone. Now, don't mistake in that. If you have the Spirit, does that mean you're full of the Spirit? Absolutely not. Uh, you, to be full of the Spirit means that you are letting the Spirit take charge of your soul, take charge of your life, and lead your life in His power, in His strength, and in His gifting. So our spirits are so important as they allow us to connect to God. Our soul, though, can be numbed. Our soul can be numbed with the things that are not of God. Uh, we can allow things to take residence in our life, uh, in our hearts, in our souls, to steer the whole trajectory of our life. And this can result in, very un in a very unhealthy soul. Uh, this can result in a very distorted view of God and others. This can even distort our view of what's moral and what's good. And church, I want you to know, we are living in a time period where people are for a version of morality, a version of what is good, but it's so far away from God. We have to have the Spirit of God lead us and direct us if our moral compass is going to be true north to God's standards. So, the soul is important. And there are three reasons our souls need care. Let's take a look at the first one. Our souls are needy. Our souls are needy. Back to Psalm 42, verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, 
When shall I come and appear before God? Now, a few observations in the text is that we see this imagery of a deer coming to a stream and, and taking a, just a nice sip of water. Uh, you know, it just seems nice and calm and it actually evokes images of Bambi that is just, you know, very thirsty, right? Now, nature can be really cute, right? I mean, when we look at nature photos, we're like, oh, we just wanna see the bear smile. We wanna see the, the deer kind of frolic in the field. But you know what? I spend a lot of vacations in nature. In fact, Alice and I, every other year we go off the, off the grid and we spend, we, we camp. And 10 years ago, we went to the Arctic and we wanted to see these muskox. In fact, here's a picture. They're, they're quite an incredible animal. But the first time that we saw muskox, it wasn't alive. It wasn't alive because it was being mauled by a cute, ravaged polar bear. You know, before this time, I thought polar bears were just these cute animals that drank Coke at Christmas time. Uh-uh, I won't see a polar bear ever again. They are mean, right? And so I want us to relook at Psalm 42. Are we seeing a cute little Bambi drinking water? No, what we're seeing is, is a deer that is famished. A deer that if it does not find water, it is going to die. It is dehydrated. Now, if you've ever experienced dehydration, uh, you know you can become disoriented. Uh, you know that as you as you continue to be dehydrated, you know, it only takes three days to kill you, that that you, you begin to hallucinate. You even you can even can come to the water and not want to drink it because you feel so sick, even though drinking the water will alleviate that. This is where this deer is at. And so when this deer is drinking the water, you must realize it is, is life is being saved. This water, drinking this water, that life is being dependent on that. Now notice what the psalmist does. Ties the deer to his soul. As the deer is dehydrated, he's saying, my soul is dehydrated. You see, you could just blow past this passage and think, all right, so uh, my soul thirsts for God. Like, yeah, let's be thirsty for God. You know, it's like, you know, on a nice hot summer day, just crack open a Pepsi. Like, I did my devotionals today. No, 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 no. This is how important our soul is. If we don't nourish our soul, our souls will harden to the things of God. Uh, we could become ineffective to the things of God. Or if you are on the verge of, of receiving Christ in your life, your heart could harden to where you will never receive the things of God in your life. Our souls being nurtured by God is so vitally important. Our souls need nurtured. Now we see here that the psalmist was in such dire straits that in verse three, that the way he was trying to nurture himself was by his tears. My tears have, have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day, where is your God? Uh, he, he is experiencing such hardship that he's crying. And yet in his dehydration, he is, he is drinking his tears. Now think about this for a moment. If you're dehydrated and all you had to drink were your tears, how long would that sustain you? Not very long, right? Now think about this. When our souls are in a desperate place, when our souls are, are in a broken place, when our souls have been maybe even rattled by sin, when our souls are in such a needy place for God, you know what we end up doing often? is we don't care for the soul, we go into self-care. I mean, you can go into a bookstore, you can go on your, on your Kindle, you can go on Amazon, and you can find self-help for anything, right? Because we like to help ourselves. And what verse three is gonna show us here is that it's not about helping yourself. You see, if we're gonna help ourselves, well, well it's, it's as good as drinking your own tears. Our souls are needy, and the answer to a healthy soul is not 
self-help. We need the Lord's help. Uh, We need him to come into our life. Now, here's the problem. Our world is riddled with neglected souls. And I wish I could say this for the people of God, that our souls aren't neglected, but they are. In fact, let me just put this test out here. How goes your soul? How is your soul? How often do you think about your soul? You know, even as I ask that question, I'm going to just be completely transparent because I don't want to be hypocritical. There's days I don't ask that question. And then I have to ask myself, am I living in the peace of God's presence? If you listen to the condition of your soul, you will long and be active in pursuing the presence of God in your life. Our souls are needy and they're gonna long for something. And unfortunately, the more obsessed we are with ourselves, the more neglected our souls will be. That's why we need to be with the Lord. We need to spend time with God. But listen, this isn't just an individualistic uh, exercise. God created community, church community, so that we can experience God together. Because when we experience God together, we grow more than what we can grow by ourselves. Our souls tell us it's not about self. It's not about us. It's about connecting to God with each other. The soul reminds us that we can't do this life alone and that we can't be nourished by our own tears. When Jesus was speaking to a woman, a woman at the well, uh, he spoke about how only he could satisfy the longing of our souls. In fact, we see this in John chapter four, verse 13 and 14. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, don't miss this. When we thirst for the things of God, it's not anything else but God himself. God is the object. He is the final destination of our pursuit. And so often we try to replace other things, even godly things, as our end goal. But our thirst is ultimately for God himself. And when we realize this, we realize the purpose for our life. We allow him for his purposes to take over our life. We realize just how important he is. We realize he's our ultimate hope. We realize it is a privilege. It's a joy to step into and worship him in his presence. But our souls are needy. And if God is not taking the rightful place in our hearts, in our souls, this is what will happen. We will place something else. And it could be something that's not necessarily bad. It could be something that's good. But when we place anything other than God into our souls, when our life becomes about those things, our souls begin to harden. And when God makes a move and our hearts are hard, it's like hard ground when there's a heavy rain and just runs off. A neglected soul won't experience the stillness of God. Our souls are needy. A second reason why our souls need care is our souls are fragile. Let's go to Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now notice this. Our souls will feel broken. You may be in a good spot now, but there will be a moment where our souls will be challenged by this broken world, by by the circumstances that, that challenge even our understanding of this world. You know, for many people, they accumulate their life experiences and their life's hardships. And you know what they do? I've done this. You just kind of bury it. 
But you ever, have you ever thought when you bury hardships or you bury hard things in life, where you bury them? You bury them in your soul. And so many souls are unhealthy today because we've buried things instead of giving them to God. And when our souls are just stuffed full of hard and bad experiences, there's not a lot of room for God to move. Psalmist says in verse five, he gets very personal. He feels the weight and he asks the question, why? Why? Why am I experiencing this anxiety? Why am I experiencing this depression? Why? And this is a great question because when you ask the question why, when you begin to ponder what is in your soul, you're beginning to process it. He's like, why? Why am I so down? He is not bearing his emotions. He's speaking right to them. He feels something is off in his soul. He doesn't try to just walk it off or shake it off or forget about it. Rather, he asks questions. Why? Why is this in my heart? Why am I feeling this? Why am I downcast? But notice this. You can ask a good question, but give yourself a false answer. Or ask somebody to get a false answer you want to hear. Notice what he provides for his answer. He doesn't try to answer his question with his own wisdom. Instead, he speaks to his soul with God's revelation. In this situation, he's far from home. Uh, But whatever the adversity he's facing, he realizes his only hope is in the Lord. In fact, verse 7, we notice the description that it's like a waterfall. In fact, we see this here, that the roar of your waterfalls, he's speaking to God, and all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. What does that mean? I read that over and over again. It's like, is God trying to drown uh, the, the psalmist? In some ways, yes. But he's not trying to drown him to kill him. He's trying to drown him out with his goodness that far exceeds the ways of life that are shifting his soul and challenging his soul. And he's saying, God, you're my only hope. And you know what happens when you can't make sense of life, when life is just awful, when life has just been flipped upside down, you want to know how to turn the ways of life into a squirt gun? is you seek God out in his hope and he will surround you. It's like a waterfall. It's like waves that that go over your head and you realize God's hope, God's sovereignty, God's control is enveloped me. It's surrounding me. And whatever this world can give, whatever this world is going to shake in my soul, it is nothing compared to the torrent of God's mercy and love. How might our lives be different if we didn't speak deception over our lives when we're asking questions. This might seem odd, but you know what I want you to do? I want you to go somewhere where you have a mirror in your home and I want you to start talking to yourself. And I want you to ask this question, how is my soul? And then I want you to speak the revelation of God over your life, not the negativity, not what you want to tell yourself, 
not what you even believe about yourself. You may look at yourself in a mirror and you may say, and you may see something you don't like, but I want you to know now you are made in the image of God. God has purpose and plans for your life and he wants to unleash his spirit in your life to do what you thought that you could not do because it's not about you. It's not about you trying to get through your situation. It's not about you drinking your own tears. It's about the ways of God surrounding you, enveloping you and making you and pushing you into his next You know, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon suffered from depression. If you don't know who Spurgeon is, he's one of the greatest preachers of all time. And yet, he suffered from depression. And he loved Jesus immensely. In fact, my, uh, my, my ministry uh, has been, uh, my preaching, I should say, um, has been so influenced by uh, Charles Spurgeon. So if you've never read his things, I think they're all free on Google. Just Google them today. They're, they're awesome. Uh, he, he always takes a subject and he makes a beeline for Jesus. So that's, that's why I like him. But he suffered from depression most of his life. And he loved this psalm that we're reading today. It was a great help for him during these seasons when he was down. He said to himself, great deeps of trial bring with them great depths of promise. You see, when you recount his promises, it transforms your prayers, it transforms your praise, it transforms your circumstances, even if the circumstances around you are not changing. You see, it's easy for us to forget about the goodness of God when life is getting hard. That is why our souls are fragile. It's so easy to forget. God may have moved mountains, you may have witnessed it, but you have one hard day and you're like, did that mountain really move? Ah, I don't think it really moved. I don't think it was really God. I, you'll go through every example why God didn't do something in your life when, it is, when he did. There's no way around it. But yet, our hearts are so fragile, we will easily forget the works of God. But when we allow God to move in our fragility, when we allow God to move in our hearts, when we allow him to take his rightful place, it transforms our mind. It makes us remember and allows us to praise. Remember, our souls may be fragile, but our God is strong. Remember, a neglected soul won't experience the stillness of God. We need soul care because our souls are needy, they're fragile, and finally, they're forever. Our souls are forever. Psalm 42:11. why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation and my God. I want to focus on salvation and my God. You are my salvation and my God. You know, often when we think of salvation, we think of the ultimate salvation that Jesus brings to us. He created you and I to have a powerful relationship with him, to have a personal relationship with him. But our sin wrecked it. <laughs> our sin ravaged our soul. And this world feels the effects of sin. And so God came to do what we could not do. Jesus came to forgive us of our sins, to take the wrath of God on himself, to stand in our place, to die on a cross, to pay for our sins, past, present, and future, to save us from our sins so that when we place our faith and trust in him alone, it's not just that we are forgiven, we are considered sons and daughters of him, the king. We're favored we go from being under the wrath of God, not just being forgiven and saying, I forget about it, to be favored. Let that sink in. 
That's salvation. And we get to experience that salvation uh, in the future, either when our time is up on this earth or when Jesus Christ comes back. And the Bible describes it in heaven, no more tears, no more suffering, every tongue, tribe, and nation worshiping Jesus together. But you know what? Salvation, it is a future thing, but it's so certain it starts now. And so God is delivering us now of becoming a victim of, of succumbing to our circumstances, succumbing to this world that is chaotic. That's why we need to care for our soul because it's forever and he's come to save it. And I do think in these days ahead and these weeks ahead and these months ahead, the thing that keeps me up at night, someone said, hey, you know, someone called me the other day saying, Andy, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing pretty good. It's like, well, and I really am. I'm just kind of, I mean, at this point, aren't we just kind of rolling with it, right? <laughs> but I, I said, but I do have something that does keep me up at night a little bit. I think we're going to be in a season, at least in America, where people are going to sell their soul. They're going to allow things to inhabit their soul where only Jesus should be. People are going to wander from God. Jesus warns us. He warns us in Matthew 16, 26. He says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? We can value so many things in life, whether it's possessions, whether it's what people think of us. I think that's the big idol of our day is we just wanna be liked by everybody, right? Um, and we can do all this at the expense of our soul. Our souls are forever. And yet how often do we take the temporary at the expense of forever? So how goes your soul? A neglected soul won't experience the stillness of God. Our souls need care uh, because uh, they are needy, they're fragile, they're forever. So what are three practical ways then that we care for our soul? Real quickly, the first one is we need to realize our soul's condition. Ask yourself again, how is my soul? Be raw, be real with God. When you stand in front of that mirror, don't hold anything back. Tell him where you, how you feel, where you're at, but listen to him in your brokenness. You do not provide the remedy of where you're at. Only the spirit of God provides the remedy of where you desire to go. And that's ultimately where he desires you go. God wants to meet you in your deepest part of your brokenness of your soul. So if you're in a good season, rejoice in songs of celebration. But if you're not in a good season and your soul is heavy, I want you to press into celebration because it might not be the overflow, but it's the willing up of faith. You believe in what God has said, even when you don't see it. Realize your soul's condition. Secondly, you need to routinely feed your soul with his revelation. We spoke of the art of preaching to yourself in the mirror. Again, I don't want you saying to yourself, you can do it, you're the best. You know, like don't fortune cookie yourself, all right? Like allow the revelation of God to really get into your heart. But it takes time more than just standing in a mirror and talking the good talk to yourself. It, it, when you are able to stand in front of the mirror and actually speak to yourself the revelation of God, that means that you are actually spending time with God before that. You see, if you're gonna speak good things to yourself or you're gonna hear things that are gonna make sense, that's gonna be the overflow of your time that you have spent with God in his word, praying with each other, being in Christian community together. We have to, by any means necessary short of sin, get together with God's people, get together with God. Do not neglect feeding your soul with his revelation. 
Let me just say one more word too about when we get together in groups of people. Talk is cheap. It really is. We can, people can say whatever they want. The value of Christian community isn't hearing what you want to hear because it's comfortable. The value of Christian community is in grace, patience, and mercy. Say to each other, encourage each other what needs to be said for that moment. Because it's in that moment that God shows up and you break barriers you've never crossed before. Another practical way of caring for your soul is reclaiming the hope in God's promises. Reclaim his promises. What do we mean by that? Well, how often do we read a scripture or maybe you hear of a promise of God and you believe it for a moment, but then you forget about it? God wants us to trust him, to believe him, to hold close his promises. God wants you to be resilient in a broken world. God wants you to be immovable. But immovable, again, is not burying things in your soul and pretending things didn't happen. It's trusting God despite the bad things that have happened. Let me close with this. There's a hymn writer, Herodo Spafford. Uh, he was a man that invested most of his money in real estate in Chicago in the late 1800s. But in 1871, he lost everything in the Great Chicago Fire. Everything, including his home, with no insurance. So he put his wife and his four daughters on a ship to head to England for opportunity while he stayed back to try to pick up the pieces of what they had left over in life, and then he was going to join them. He received a telegram from his wife. The ship experienced problems, and it sank, and she was the only one of her family to survive. His soul was filled with despair, depression, and the only thing he could hold on to was the hope of God that creates more waves and surrounds him greater than even the greatest, most personal tragedy. And so he began to write his thoughts down. He took a boat to meet his wife in England. And as he went past the very spot, the ship went down and his daughters drowned. He wrote this, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like seas billows roar, whatever my lot, thus hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Even though he was overcome, which is losing his daughters, overwhelmed, broken, his soul still knew its rightful place and the hope of Jesus Christ. So I say this, is it well with your soul? Is it well? Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would do the soul searching and we allow you to have the rightful place. God, help us Help those who are extremely weary. God, our souls are needy. They need you. And God, they will long for other things if we won't let you have it. God, have our souls. God, I, I pray for our souls that, that, that they're fragile and any little thing can break it, God. But God, you have promised us that your hope, your hope is greater than even the, the greatest tragedy. 
And God, our souls are forever, so help us tend it. Help us care for other people's souls. God, I pray that we would seek lost souls, God. God, I pray that our souls would grow in a way they never have before in this season ahead, God. God, I pray that just as much as we focus on our body, as we focus on our mental capacities, God, we would focus on our souls. Because unlike our body, they're forever. So God, I pray for those that are listening now, God, specifically for those that they are having a hard time They are deep in depression. God, lift them, God. Lord, I pray for those that have lost something significant this week, God. Uh, Just even a few people that may be listening to us right now, you've lost something absolutely significant and you even resonate. You see that ship and you've even even, uh, thought of like, man, my life is like a ship that just sunk. I want you to know it is still well with your soul because God is able to rise you up through Jesus Christ. God, help us be a church. Help us be a church that has a heart that longs for you, that we will praise you in the good times, in the abundance of our joy and exuberance, and in the hard times we praise you in faith, even when we don't see it. And everything, God, I pray that we would be led by faith in you, God. And Lord, I pray for anybody today that if they don't have a relationship with you, they'd make certain that they have faith in you. So as we continue to pray, let me just speak to anybody here that today you're uncertain of the condition of your soul because you realize you've never made Jesus personal in your life. Well, I want you to know that there is nothing holding you back of making Jesus personal in your life today, of being forgiven of every sin you've ever committed, that Jesus can step into your life and forgive you and that you can be considered a son and daughter of him. This is how you do it. It's not by works. (laughs) This is how you do it. Jesus did it all and you just receive what he did for you. You see, God created you to have a relationship with with him. He created our souls uh, to connect with him, but our sins have separated us from God. And there's no religion, no works, no nothing that can get us back to God. That's why Jesus came. He came to do what we could not do. And he went to the cross. He saw your face. He knows your name. He knows everything you've done, good, bad, and the ugly. And he went to the cross and he paid for every single one of your sins. He says it is finished. And the Bible says, when you cry out in the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you do that? You might say, well, there might be things in my life that are just preventing me out. Nope, there's nothing preventing you. Come as you are. Just cry out to Jesus, but just say to Jesus right now, Jesus, step into my life. Jesus, I want to place my trust in you that you died on the cross for me. Jesus, I want to follow you now. If that's you, then would you pray with me? This prayer doesn't save you. I'm just helping you express what's going on in your heart now. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for making me. I realize I've done wrong in my life and I need a remedy, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross, saving me from my sins. Thank you for raising from the dead. Jesus, help me follow you now with all my life. Help me live a life that is filled with your spirit and that my soul longs for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.